Good evening, everyone, and Merry Christmas. It's uh, still Christmas, if, if in case you weren't aware. Christmas started on Christmas, and it goes all the way up until at least the baptism of the Lord. Or if you want to go even longer, all the way up to February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation. <clears throat> so for us as Catholics, anyway, in our liturgy, we have just begun Christmas. And uh, so I'm happy that you've joined uh, the Sean the Baptist Show Live tonight to, to celebrate uh, with us for Christmas. Now, some have been asking, where is the morning message? Well, as you can tell, my, my voice isn't quite right, and I really haven't been feeling well in the last couple days. This always seems to happen around Christmas. I, uh, despite my best efforts, try to maintain a nice, steady, balanced life leading up to Christmas, but somehow you, you do all the mad push to get to Christmas, and then, I don't know, maybe the body just says afterwards, okay, it's here, and tries to relax and then just gets sick. I don't know. But... Praise God, I did not get sick before Christmas, and uh, now I'm just, well, I'm I'm adjusting to uh, life after uh, Christmas, and let me get my little set set up so that you can see me. It's uh, been one of those kind of weeks where <laughs> just not uh, really sure if I was going to be able to do a show, but I, I'm feeling a little bit better this evening. I, I actually turned down <clears throat> the opportunity to go out and see Wonder Woman tonight so that I could be here with you. So uh, that's, uh, that's how important Sean the Baptist Live is and, and connecting with all, uh, all dozen of you out there right now. Um, but uh, I thought tonight, as um, we get into this, I mentioned uh, Christmas movies. I did a, a lot about uh, Christmas music a while back. I did a whole show on Christmas music uh, live here at the parish about Christmas carols and such, and uh, that's one of my favorite things to do at Christmas is to listen to different Christmas music, but uh, I also like to watch Christmas music, uh, Christmas movies, and often movies that have music in them. So it all kind of goes together for me. So um, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little taste here. Back over my, my shoulder is, uh, is of course, the, uh, the Christmas major scene is, is up, which I, I put up on Christmas Eve. So that's nice. That, um, my grandfather actually made that uh, for me. It's a little manger scene that it made from uh, sticks from behind his house. Uh, and I don't even know if I can blow that up big enough so you can see it there. How about that? Um, little wooden sticks that came from behind my grandfather's house. And uh, he, he put it into a little manger scene like that for me. Uh, and the straw is... Uh, straw from my, my great-grandmother's farm, and then I, I picked up the little uh, nativity uh, pieces over over the years and things. Uh, but next to that is a stack of Christmas videos. And that's maybe a little bit what I would like to, to look at tonight uh, to, well, get into a little bit of that, that beautiful spirit of, of the season that... Uh, we would, in fact, uh, get from Christmas movies, movies because I, I know I certainly enjoy that, and I, I hope that uh, that you will too. All right, so uh, feel free to leave your comments about your favorite Christmas movies. If there's one I don't get to, or, or something like that, um, let me just say at the beginning here that this season that we're in, I said it's Christmas, and uh, particularly these eight days after Christmas, what is known as the the octave of Christmas, or the eight days after Christmas. There are two octaves left in the uh, the universal calendar for the ordinary form and, and three for the extraordinary form. We've got the octave of Easter is the most important, and the octave of Christmas, 
and uh, the octave of Pentecost in the extraordinary form. But the octave of Christmas is basically we take the, the big day of Christmas and, and celebrate it for eight days. Like every day is Christmas. The octave of Christmas is a little bit different than Easter because there's a bunch of feasts that come within the octave of Christmas. So uh, I always like to tell people that, uh, you know, we start with all the, the beautiful, warm, fuzzy kind of feelings on, on Christmas with Silent Night and, you know, thoughts of Jesus in the manger. But <clears throat> the very next day after Christmas is the feast of the first martyr, the proto-martyr, St. Stephen my confirmation namesake. Uh, so there's some bloodshed there. And then we get the Feast of St. John, the Apostle, on the 27th. And they tried to kill him many times, and they just couldn't. So he actually did not die a martyr, but they tried to kill him, so almost a martyr. And then uh, we go to the slaughter of the little babies in Bethlehem that King Herod killed in order to try to wipe out Jesus, the Holy Innocents. And then yesterday we had the feast of another martyr, St. Thomas Becket, who got his head bludgeoned to death with the sword in his own cathedral. So right away after the silent night of Christmas, we get to a lot of martyrdom. And I think maybe that's a good kind of balance for, uh, especially us as Catholics, that Christmas is not so much a uh, merely sentimental kind of thing, but it, it represents, as we've talked about here, the, the really engaging of the battle on part of our God. Since I'm going to come down there in person and start to, to fight the battle against Satan. And so that's really what he does. And this is this is no cute little baby uh, that just is innocent and has nothing. No, this is a warrior who is slipping quietly behind enemy lines, disguised as a little baby. Um, and, and truly a little baby in his humanity. But in his divinity, also God, who will give the ultimate defeat to Satan and his kingdom. So... Not so wrong that we have a bunch of martyrs during this octave week of, of Christmas. So we celebrate the octave of Christmas for eight days. Uh, the octave day of Christmas is New Year's, uh, which we'll, we'll celebrate as the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, in the ordinary form, the, the circumcision of Jesus as is traditionally kept. And, and then we move on for the season of Christmas for another couple weeks until the baptism of the Lord. Then I mentioned that uh, the time really up until February 2nd is still the traditional season of Christmas tide. So I, I put my manger scene up and I, I tend to, to kind of keep it up until February 2nd because um, I don't get to see it that often. And uh, it's good for us to keep mindful of uh, really what the, the church calendar gives us as the days after Epiphany. So we're, we're heading up towards Epiphany on the 6th or sometimes transferred to the Sunday afterwards. And so that's all for us to look forward to in the Christmas season. But tonight, Let's get to some Christmas movies, uh, as promised. And uh, I'd be happy for you to comment as to uh, your favorite Christmas movies. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of mine. <clears throat> so let's uh, let's go to the stack of stuff here. All right. Um, let's see. I'm gonna start with um, I'm gonna start with some historical kind of things. So if you wanna if you wanna get into uh, beyond any of the, the sentimentality kind of stuff. Okay, here is one I recommend. It is The Nativity Story. What could be better about Christmas than The Nativity Story? How about that? Um, so this is a dramatized version of the events around Jesus's birth. And let's see, it's, it's not too old. I think it came out less than a decade ago here. Um... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't, 
don't see it right away on on the back here, but um, I, I recommend this as a great kind of dramatization. And now, anytime anybody kind of dramatizes the the life of Jesus, there is always danger that um, well, they're going to take some liberties with this this story and things like that. And because, quite frankly, there's there's a lot about the infancy narratives of Jesus' birth that we just don't know. Um, you have to fill in some of the gaps. <clears throat> Um, I think this does a, a fairly decent job of showing what it might have been like. Uh, now, it, it does um, kind of put things together in that we get shepherds and kings together at the, the manger. It's not particularly certain that that would have happened. Uh, there, there's the Gospel of Luke that talks about shepherds, and there's the Gospel of Matthew that talks about magi. And did they meet each other? Eh, we don't know. But you can't have your, your manger scene. You don't get the money shot without kings and shepherds, so I, I've already got my kings there anyway. Uh, it just in Matthew's gospel, by the time the Magi arrive, it says not that they enter the cave where we know Jesus was born, but it says they enter the house. And the word used for Jesus in the Greek there is more like a toddler. So, <clears throat> and we know Herod tries to kill all the, the children two years old and younger, so Jesus might have been a, a toddler by the time the Magi arrive. Not sure. But anyway, at the end of the Nativity story, you do get the money shot of everybody there and uh, the star of bethlehem you know shining down brightly which we'll we've talked about we'll we'll get to so uh, the other one is not so much a, a movie as it is the story of the nativity this was put together by uh ewtn and and so it's got uh steve ray janet bankovic ray showman tim gray mitch pacwa peter kraft father tad beholchik and ed shree encourage you this is not really a, a Christmas movie or a drama. It's kind of um, a docudrama, if you will, to the extent that there could be one about the birth of, of Jesus. So if you're looking for more uh, catechism and kind of things like that, that's a that's a good one. Now, this one, um, The Star of Bethlehem. I This has got a lot of play uh, recently here with, of course, uh, Saturn and, and Jupiter all coming together. Um, this is also not a Christmas movie, as this is a sort of dramatic lecture, if you will, uh, using modern astronomy software to kind of show something of what the star of Bethlehem might have been. Uh, be sure to check out my homily from Christmas where I, I talked about this uh, recent uh, great conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, and could that be the, the star of Bethlehem? This uh, star of Bethlehem DVD uh, with, uh, let's see, it's a... Uh, kind of um, goes through some of the astronomy stuff that was it an astrological event. Uh, I'm, I'm more inclined along the persuasion that it was an astronomical uh, or astrological instead of astronomical. Uh, astronomy being like the, the physics and uh, geography of the sky. Um, whereas astrology, more like the subject, not well, not subjective, but the interpretation of the the stars and that's maybe a little bit more to my liking of what the magi would have been doing so you as a catholic do not have to hold that the star of bethlehem was uh, an astronomical event or an astrological event or you know any natural event it could just be a supernatural event they're all different kinds of theories on that so those that's kind of maybe if before we start into the fun ones there's some some things you might look at if you're looking for a little bit more on the biblical basis of the 
the Christmas story, as it were. Okay, uh, so be sure to check those out. All right, now let's uh, let's get into some other things here. <coughs> um, uh, I'm looking at my stack of stuff. All right, well, let's just say that there are some other movies that get into more family fun around the time of Christmas. So, one of the the great classics. Uh, and, you know, this is uh, parents' uh, discretion advised. I, I don't remember what this is rated. It's probably PG-13, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, famously starring Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold. This is just... I, yeah, you just got to put this in and get some good laughs around Christmas uh, because our, our family holiday traditions around Christmas are part of what make the holiday what it is, uh, family tradition. And uh, this is the story, of course, of Clark Griswold and the Griswold family Christmas that brings to us uh, straight, such beloved characters as Cousin Eddie uh, and his chemical toilet out with his mobile home in the Griswold uh, driveway. Clark tries to make the perfect Christmas for his family by having the whole family together and decorating the house with lights. And for those of us who couldn't have the big Griswold family Christmas this year with everyone together, uh, perhaps a little perusing of Christmas Vacation would remind us uh, that sometimes the big family get-together, uh, it can be stressful. And so maybe, maybe this year was a break for you. Maybe you didn't quite need all the stress of the Griswold family Christmas um, that is also... The, the famous decorating of the house with lights that covers every inch of the house with lights and it just doesn't work in the end until it can, yeah, just some of the greatest classic Christmas movie scenes ever. So if you haven't watched Christmas Vacation at least once by now this season, what are you doing? I mean, are you, are you even trying uh, for Christmas? So probably the greatest Christmas humor show ever. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. Um, every time somebody asks me to say grace, they, they ask Aunt Edna, the, the little old grandma, to, to say grace, and she can't hear anymore, and they're like, what? They want you to say grace. Grace! She died years ago. I'm like, oh, God. And she finally gets up and starts, I pledge allegiance to the flag. I do that all the time. When people ask a priest to say grace, I will often start leading the Pledge of Allegiance, and it, it comes from this movie. So there's another great thing from your, your favorite Christmas movie. So check out Christmas Vacation. All right. Um, how about, um, well, we've got uh, two of the, the great kind of animation ones. And, and that, uh, this is the one that really kind of started it all for me. This is the one that, uh, this is when I knew it was Christmas or that Christmas was coming, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This uh, 1950-something, I believe, uh, classic, um, 50s or 60s. I think a lot of these started in the 60s, actually. It would help if they put dates on there. I forget when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer first came out, but it featured famously Burl Ives as a talking snowman um, who sings Holly Jolly Christmas uh, on there. Uh, so that's that's where this is from. In fact... Um, 
I'm, I'm often down in Branson at this time of year, so I know some of my friends are down there right now, uh, or are headed there even, and uh, they have Rudolph's little light parade through Silver Dollar City, and they, they play Holly Jolly Christmas, and uh, it came from that. But um, if you didn't see my, my little uh, show I did on, on Christmas carols a couple week ago, one of the kids that was there, because it was a, a live show, asked about, you know, well, what about Rudolph? What's the theology behind that? I think part of why, why Rudolph is so dear here is because, um, you know, I think we all have that sense of being a misfit sometimes. And, well, do I really fit in? Why am I such a misfit? I am not just a nitwit. Just because my nose glows, why don't I fit in? Yeah, we can all feel like that sometimes. And so uh, Rudolph has that kind of feeling. But in the end, uh, the fact that he's different... Well, as God often does with our uniquenesses and differences, God knows how to use them. And so he certainly knows how to use Rudolph's red nose. And Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? And Rudolph saves the day uh, for Christmas. So uh, that's uh, this is one that I, whenever this would come on the national broadcast TV, uh, I would know that um, Christmas time is, is getting really close because Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is is on so uh i i don't know if it showed this year see this is the problem with uh you know things being bought up we, we of course had the problem with charlie brown christmas that i talked about that would it even be shown on national tv for the first time in, since 1965 that it wasn't going to be and then pbs picked it up and so we still got a bit i, I don't know about rudolph, rudolph the red-nosed reindeer it was always a kind of a national start to christmas for me and the other one that sometimes goes along with that is Frosty the Snowman, and this, uh, the famous song about Frosty the Snowman, we know, uh, the, uh, the story is, of course, that, um, a magic hat gets put on a snowman, and the snowman comes to life, and helps the little kids get ready to celebrate Christmas. Sometimes these shows would run back-to-back, if I remember right, on TV, uh, so I especially, uh, appreciate Rudolph and Frosty together. I admit I have not watched Frosty, uh, for a little bit. But the idea that there's a, a bit of magic in Christmas, and we'll, we'll talk about that because that's a, a reoccurring theme in our, our Christmas movies uh, and, and a little bit what, what Christmas is all about. Um, these are obviously Rudolph and, and Frosty are more along the lines of, of children's shows and Christmas vacation, more an, an adult kind of show, let's face it. Um, but especially for the kids, it's... Uh, it's about keeping that, that magic uh, in Christmas. If you want to experience uh, a lot of the possibility of just thinking, as our Blessed Mother hears from God, nothing will be impossible for God. And uh, I think sometimes we, we want to limit God to the concrete, tangible, scientifically provable, discernible uh, things that um, are more easily explained. Uh, Christmas is not so easily explained. This is the day we celebrate that God, who has no material principle, took on our human state and took on a human body and became fully human. That is not easily explained. That is a great mystery. Uh, it is a magnum mysterium, as I, I talked about before from the, the office of, of Matins. So we'll get into that a little bit more because... I really like this idea of mystery in Christmas. In fact, um, all right, so 
Christmas mystery. You know, here's a here's a double feature that I, I got, and I watched both of these yesterday, actually. Um, yeah, what what do you do when you're you're kind of sick and you're going to quarantine yourself to your room? Well, you you watch Christmas movies and sleep and drink coffee. Uh, so I got a double feature of the Polar Express and how the Grinch stole Christmas. So if there were to be a third uh, one with Frosty and Rudolph, How the Grinch Stole Christmas yeah, by Dr. Seuss is another famous one. That um, one, of that, one of the great lines uh, that I love from How the Grinch Stole Christmas is this is the story of how the, the Grinch, uh, like a lot of people, well, he just doesn't like Christmas. And for whatever reason, and uh, the, the show is really cute. It's like, well, we don't even know. Maybe his shoes were too small. Um, no, but they thought in the end, well, maybe it's just because his heart was two sizes too small. How sad. Um, so the Grinch actually tries to come and steal Christmas from the little Who's down in Whoville. And he, he thinks he can do it by taking all their toys and their trees and their presents. And he takes everything that he can get his hands on. But then he is surprised to find that on Christmas morning, despite having been robbed of all the material possessions of uh, Christmas, the Who's still come out and they, they sing their welcome Christmas Who song uh, that it's still Christmas and they're still thankful. I think that's a great lesson for us in, in 2020. Um, not how the Grinch stole Christmas, but we might be inclined to think how COVID stole Christmas because maybe we, we didn't have some of the material worldly things that we normally have, even good things like coming together as family. But um, when the Grinch has his moment of conversion, it's when he comes out and he says that he begins to realize that, well, maybe Christmas can't be bought in a store. Maybe Christmas means a little bit more. I think that is just an incredible moral to that story. That the Who's, even though they lack all their material things they would normally have for their great Christmas celebration, including their their feast, they still were thankful. And uh, yeah, I, I did a little morning message uh, a couple days ago on the, uh, oh, the pop tune, Do They Know It's Christmas? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Uh, it was done in 84 to raise money for starving people in Africa. Uh, was basically the, the deal. And it's kind of lamenting the fact that uh, in Africa, um, there's no snow for Christmas. So will they even know it's Christmas without snow? All right, yeah, they, they will. Um, but they also lament that, well, there's there's poverty in, in Africa. So will they know it's Christmas? They don't, they don't have gifts or even f enough food or water. How will they know it's Christmas without all these material things? Well, much as the little Who's found out in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, Christmas doesn't come from a store. Uh, it means a little bit more. And so even people in great poverty, uh, yes, they know it's Christmas, especially in Africa, where there are millions of Christians. It's one of the fastest growing places of Christianity. The whole Southern Hemisphere is where Christianity is really growing. So yes, they know it's Christmas time in, in Africa. Uh, maybe not even just in spite of poverty, but sometimes because of poverty. Uh, little Jesus came as a, a little impoverished baby. Um, so the more we know we need God, I, I think the more we know it's Christmas and the more we know we need it. So 
yeah, don't tell the Catholics in Uganda and Nigeria and the cops in Ethiopia and inside. They know it's Christmas. Uh, and, and now the Grinch knows it's Christmas too. And the real meaning of Christmas is, of course, that Jesus is here to be the thing that saves us from any attachment to the things of this world, including good things, like all the, the Christmas decorations and stuff. And uh, the Grinch had such a conversion that he actually carved the Christmas roast beast. I love that. <laughs> now, back to the magic of Christmas. Polar Express. I will say that I I, I love the music in, in Polar Express. It's one of those, a lot of times when you do Christmas movies, you, you create, uh, apparently, some, some great music uh, to go with it. And that's obviously Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is, is based on a, a song and Frosty the Snowman. But Polar Express has some of the, the, the cutest, best little probably new Christmas music that was written for a, a movie. And I, I love just kind of the, the magic of the Polar Express theme. I go down to, to Branson. Um, adult, well, they, they got a new Christmas tree last year. They, they put up this huge Christmas tree that's like six stories tall. The old one was only like four stories or something. I don't know. Uh, but one of the, the sets that it plays is from Polar Express. And it's just this, <coughs> it's a magical kind of feeling uh, from Polar Express. And, and that's really where the, the whole premise of the, the Polar Express movie is um, one that's, that's well, we'll, we'll get to when we talk a little bit also about, um, well, this one, Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, the, the two of these, Polar Express and Miracle on 34th Street, what they have in common is there's, there's a little bit of uh, a doubt as to whether Santa Claus exists. And certainly in the Polar Express, uh, the little kid that is having some doubts, he, he gets to take a magical ride on a magic train on Christmas Eve to go to the North Pole and meet Santa Claus. And uh, it's it's uh, amazing. And it, one of the, the beautiful kind of examples in this is he gets the first gift of Christmas that year is a, a bell from Santa's sleigh. And the, the bells are such that uh, you can't hear them ring if you don't have faith and believe in Santa Claus. And so in, in the beginning of this, when the reindeer are getting all their bells put on, the, the little kid, he's a doubter. He doubts Santa Claus, even right there in the presence of Santa Claus. And so he can't hear any of the bells. But as, as he meets Santa Claus uh, and is given this first Christmas gift, he, he can hear the bell. And uh, it, it actually winds up back with him uh, on Christmas morning, and thanks to Santa Claus, and uh, throughout his life. Um, as people got older, they, they couldn't hear the bell anymore. They stopped believing. But this uh, person who is now older, and as the narrator, remembering this Christmas Eve journey on the Polar Express, uh, he can hear the bell his whole life. And I, I think that's something special for us to remember, that this magic of, of Christmas, um, it's not just about Santa Claus, but, but the idea that there is something beyond just what we can see in this world that is easily explainable. How does Santa do all the things that he does on Christmas Eve? Well, it requires a bit of magic. And uh, people would maybe poo-poo that today and, and say, well, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. Um, well, if ever there was a world that's needing to have its horizon expanded a little bit, I think that's, that's ours right now. <laughs> Because whereas maybe it's not specifically doubting Santa Claus like like others, 
we, we doubt that there's any kind of world we can't see. The only thing we believe we can't see is like dark matter, but we know it's there. But other than that, if it can't be scientifically proven, it doesn't exist. What a sad and impoverished world to live in, to think that. Um, the, the Catholic Church invented the whole scientific method because we knew that there's much more to this world than can be seen. But by looking more closely at this world, we can start to grasp through the visible the, the, the world that is invisible. If you've been listening at Mass, the, the prayer right before the Eucharistic prayer, the preface, uh, says, may we uh, be caught up uh, through things visible in love of things invisible, something like that. Um, that we need to think about the possibility of, and not just the possibility, but the reality that there is more to reality than simply what we see. And uh, so I would hope that that little bell of the Polar Express, as it were, could ring for all of us when it comes to the truths of the faith. Now, Miracle on 34th Street, similar problem, uh, except in this case, the, the little girl who was not doubting Santa Claus, but a bunch of big people were doubting Santa Claus. Well, she gets to um, famously meet the, the real Santa Claus, uh, Chris Kringle, and uh, again, find out that he is real. And if we've talked on this show before, too, about St. Nicholas, uh, the namesake of Santa Claus, Nicholas, uh, very much real, defended our Lord Jesus Christ at the Council of Nicaea and punched the heretic Arius in the nose. So a very real person. So some of these things are, uh, you know, a little take on, do you believe in, in Santa Claus? Oh, so Joyce Grosko says that Polar Express is her favorite. Um, you know, I, I had, and uh, Lisa says Little Drummer Boy as well. Um, I had not uh, watched Polar Express in quite some time. I, uh, I pulled it out yesterday because <laughs> what else are you going to do when you're sick? I, I needed a little magic right there. And Polar Express, um, for those that haven't seen it, it it's animated. Uh, Tom Hanks does most of the voices for a lot of the characters. It's it's just a, a nice... I, how, how old is Polar Express? I want to say 2004, maybe something like that. Um... Yeah, you would think they would put the copyright dates on the the back of these to make it more easier. I'm going to say, yes, Polar Express, 2004. So um, a little bit more of a, a re 2004. Like, oh, that's a recent one. I'm like, God dang, that's 16 years ago. Holy cow. Um, so check check out Polar Express um, or Miracle on 34th Street for a more classic one about do you believe in Santa Claus kind of movies. Um, those are a good, a good genre there. All right, back to the stack of stuff. Um... <laughs> okay, oh, here, my favorite modern-day Christmas movie that I, I just watched today. Uh, yeah, Elf. This is hilarious. Uh, so fun. Gets the, uh, Will Ferrell as Buddy the Elf is just, well, it, it's, Christmas Vacation is still my all-time just, flat out favorite comedy Christmas one. But, you know, Elf, it is funny, but I I don't know that you could really say that it's it's exactly just a comedy. I mean, Christmas Vacation is, is basically, you know, National Lampoon stuff, so it's, it's basically comedy. Elf has just got this sweet meaning about what it means to be family on, on Christmas and 
Um, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. I love Zoe uh, de Chantel and Will Ferrell in, in this together. And it's just this cute little uh, kind of love story couple too. And who can be a part of your family at Christmas? And I love the New York stuff. I, I love the city of New York. So this is set in basically New York. And so there's a lot of kind of inside jokes and plays and humor, even right down to the Central Park Rangers and, and things. So um, essentially the premise behind Elf, if you've not seen it, is that uh, Buddy as a little baby um, is adopted or was was going to be adopted, except he crawled into Santa's sack on Christmas Eve and got taken back to the North Pole. And so he does, in fact, get adopted by elves, by an elf. Uh who, who doesn't have his own child at the North Pole, and he's raised as an elf. Uh, and then eventually he comes home to New York to find his real dad. Um, and, and what a great kind of pro-life sort of message behind all this, that uh, Buddy the Elf turns out to be not wanted by his real father, and then it, it turns around and has just one of the, the happiest endings ever, and it's another one of those Do You Believe in Santa Claus movies, because... Santa shows up and, you know, we know he's real from the beginning because he is the reason Buddy's off at the North Pole. Uh, so if you're looking for a, a laugher for the whole family, uh, it's Elf. Uh, a Christmas Vacation is pretty funny for the whole family, but you have to watch a, a little bit of the language in there. Elf is just, well, everybody should see Elf. It is probably the, the modern Christmas classic that well, most people in my family I know watch Elf every year. I think we all have our own copy of Elf. So, yeah, be sure to check that one out. Okay, um, let's, uh, I've mentioned, since we're on kind of, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one in here that I watched two days ago. This is one you may not have heard of. I'm going to throw it up here. This is called uh, The Christmas Candle, and it's a movie based on a book by Max Lucado, the, the great Protestant author. Uh, if you've been to any kind of a Christian bookstore, you've likely run into many books by Max Lucado uh, on there. Um, and, and so, yes, that is also Susan Boyle uh, from the, the singing competitions who got discovered and then became a very famous singer. This is her first acting uh, debut. The Christmas Candle, I... Gosh, it came out in 2014. It was the focus on the family. 2014 plugged in reader's pick for best Christmas movie. So that got my attention. Um, this is <clears throat> not not exactly a Hallmark kind of movie. And I, by the way, I'm sorry, I don't have any Hallmark channel Christmas movies in my, my stack because, well, you can watch them on Hallmark, and uh, I really haven't got into that genre much. But this is a little bit, I suppose, like like some of that. Uh, the Christmas Candle is, again, one of those um, Christmas magic kind of shows. Um, and this one, it, you know, it's not about Santa Claus. It's about an actual Christmas angel who has come on Christmas Eve once every 25 years to a candle maker shop in uh, a town in England. 
and blesses a Christmas candle. And whoever gets this Christmas candle is to light it and pray, and they, they get a Christmas miracle. And so it's like once every 25 years, on the first Sunday of Advent, the angel comes and blesses a candle, and then the person prays all Advent, and on Christmas they get their wish. And so it's it's repeated several generations, and um, now it's about a kind of down-on-his-luck pastor who comes to the, the town, and he doesn't quite believe anymore. He's sort of lost his belief in the magic of Christmas and doesn't want to have anything to do with this, what he thinks is superstition around some, you know, fake miraculous candle. And so it's uh, kind of the story of, of how he sets about to bring Christmas to his new little town as their pastor and um, how the, the Christmas candle comes to, to save a bunch of people and the whole town. It's got a great, I think, kind of religious message behind it, as you would expect from uh, Max Lucado. Um, nothing, uh, you know, it's a, a Protestant-based book, and it's, you know, a, a Protestant setting, a uh, Church of England, uh, but nothing, nothing, any uh, objectionable to Catholics or anything in there, so it's, uh, it's a great little story. And uh, I, it's, you know, I... I am moved, uh, particularly as I, I look at kind of the the struggles of the minister in here, because he really kind of loses his faith. He tries to do something great for his town, and in the end, it just turns into a big disaster. And he, he really thinks he's blown it, and everything is a mess, and it's just never going to be good, and he tried so hard, and it just doesn't work. Um, it turns out that, in fact, God does something great. And so maybe the the uh, minister should calm down a little bit because it's not all on him. Uh, God has got things under control. And that's an important thing I, I, that I need to remember. And it's another one of those great things that believe in miracles. And this one, it's it's not believe in the magic of Santa Claus. It's believe in the magic of God to send his angels and answer our prayers. And and that's, that's a real struggle in this one. I think a lot of us at Christmas and, and throughout the year struggle with the idea of why does a good God who's all-powerful allow bad things to happen? Uh, and certainly that's been the case this this 2020. Um, you know, I was hoping at Christmas, you know, we could all hope that like, well, maybe there'll be some kind of a miracle. God could help fix this. And I, lots of people are putting their hope in, you know, New Year's Eve tomorrow night that when the, the clock strikes midnight that... Uh, 2020 will be over and, and magically things will have to get better. No, they don't. I mean, they, they could actually get worse. Um, but the, the truth is that uh, life is suffering and there is there's no way out of the, the suffering. And um, this Christmas candle kind of shows how God is at work even amidst the suffering. And as, as we like to say, he always brings about a greater good. And, and certainly we can see the good amidst the hurt. And there's real hurt in this movie. And then there's great good. Uh, so isn't that the, the, the message we all need to hear at Christmas? So if you're looking for a religious, but not like overtly like nativity story, we're going to read the Bible to you sort of one. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite religious Christmas shows. I, I watched it now a, a couple years in a row, uh, even with my, my family for the first time last year. All right, speaking of religious Christmas, uh, I, 
I gotta throw out, which is is gonna be one of the, well, if not the, it might be one of the best well-known Christmas TV shows ever, and that is a Charlie Brown Christmas. I mentioned it earlier when I said, you know, that uh, it, it always aired on CBS every year since 1965. And uh, it got bought up this year by uh, Apple, I think, or, or something. Um, and so it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't going to get shown. But uh, PBS finally got to, to show it. And I mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, I, I got to watch it with a family whose who's, uh, little son was, was watching it for the very first time. Uh, so that was sweet. And I, I say religious because, <clears throat> quite frankly, the greatest religious television moment, I, I think, uh, of any Christmas show comes in a Charlie Brown Christmas, where poor Charlie Brown is, is stuck in commercialism, uh, much as we saw with the Grinch, thinking that maybe Christmas comes from a store. Hmm? Uh, how many of us still think that? And of course, Charlie Brown does not think that. He doesn't like the commercialization of Christmas, and uh, he wants to he wants to find what Christmas is really all about, and he, he just can't seem to. So he finally asks his trusty friend Linus, you know, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And Linus steps on stage, like, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is about. And then he quotes the, the gospel reading from Midnight Mass, from the Gospel of Luke, about the birth of Jesus. That is evangelization right there. Good job, Charles Schultz. Uh, good job, CBS, for airing that every year. It's not Christmas without a Charlie Brown Christmas, and um, it's not Christmas without that story of, of Jesus. And it, of course, it's not—it's not just a story. It, it is the, the reason why all these Christmas movies, everything exists. All this magicalness of Christmas is—is is meant to put us somehow in touch with the greatest magical, mysterious event ever that God would become one of us. Uh, so I, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen a Charlie Brown Christmas by this point. Um, but I, I invite you think about how magical that moment is that every year on national TV until this year, uh, we've been able to be told this is what Christmas is all about. I, you know, I, sometimes I put up stuff on my, my Facebook page and, and people will, will try to want to shoot down that we don't. This isn't a Christian country. You know, we, we have to be equally representative of all faiths. Well, without getting on a soapbox too much here, um, people don't realize that the very fact that you could stand up and say something like, uh, this isn't a Christian country, I'm an atheist and I want to be an atheist. Go study how atheist countries have fared in the history of the world. People are like, oh, religion starts more wars than it. No the greatest death and bloodshed ever in the history of the world has always been atheist totalitarian regimes. Everything from Hitler to uh, Pol Pot to China and Mao Zedong and you name it, it's always been atheists. Here in America, you have the right to say things critical of our country uh, because of Christianity, the the dignity of, of people. And it, you just have to go live in another country where there's not Christianity to understand and, and then come back and, you know, say this isn't a Christian country. Um, not, not saying it's going to be forever, uh, but um, Charlie Brown reminds us what, what Christmas is all about and, and really 
the foundation of what our country is all about. Something we could all easily agree on before. Uh, the fact that United States embraces all people of all religions as citizens does not mean that the majority of Americans aren't Christian or that our heritage isn't based firmly on, on Christian principles and, and values. Um, we, we are. Uh, and to some extent, the fact that you could even question that just shows how Christian our, our country really is. Go, go try questioning uh, the story of the, the birth of the prophet Muhammad in a, a Muslim country. See how far that gets you. Or, you know, even just such things as question the, the state uh, in the, the time of uh, various monarchies and things. We're blessed in this country, and th those blessings come to us from our Christian foundation. Uh, so that's why Christmas is a very, very important part of our country. You don't have to celebrate Christmas, but, you know, even if our political leaders want to publicly lead us in the celebration of, of Christmas and not other religious festivals because the majority of people in America are Christmas, that's fine, are Christian, that's fine. Um, the I idea of separation of church and state has been way blown out of anything, anyone who ever wrote lines like that ever had in mind. Either we're going to be uh, a nation under God or we're not going to be a nation at all. So anyway, enough of that little soapbox. Something, let's go back to funny. <clears throat> um, oh, I, I don't even know this existed, but uh, a dog for Christmas. I want a dog for Christmas, Charlie Brown. So if you're looking for more peanuts, not nearly as famous as the Charlie Brown Christmas, but I want a dog for Christmas. Um, okay, another little uh, kind of animated one. This is uh, going to get us into the realm of... Uh, Muppets, because my favorite Christmas movie of all time is coming up. But let's uh, let's first look at um, a Muppet family Christmas. This is uh, another one of those great stories of family gathering for Christmas. Uh, what could be better than a a Christmas family gathering? And so the the Muppets are a bit of a family, and uh, they gather for Christmas. And it is just a hoot because, well, they're not sure if they're going to be able to make it. And, of course, Kermit is anxious for Miss Piggy to arrive. And they're all gathering at Ma's house. And um, will there be enough room? And there are people hanging off the wall. And it's just, for those that are used to big family Christmas gatherings like, like I was uh, growing up, this is a great kind of little family Christmas movie. So I, I recommend uh, A Muppet Family Christmas, Jim Henson. Uh, and another great Jim Henson one. This one you might not as be familiar with, but Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. You gotta see this one. It's awesome. It's got some some great music in there. Ain't No Hole in the Wash Tub. Uh, River Bottom Nightmare Band. The grass does not grow on the places where we stop instead. River Bottom Nightmare Band. It's It's incredible. Um, yeah, it's a great little story about, um, uh, a widowed otter and her little orphan, well, not orphan, but her little son without a father. And, um, much as that kind of gift of the Magi story where they go out and sell the things most precious to them to get gifts for other people, uh, well, Emmett and his mom, uh, both end up doing something similar to try to, to have a good Christmas, and in the end, they find out, like like the Grinch, like everybody else, that Christmas is, well, it's not just about the material possessions. It's about family and friends and Jesus. And that's what really matters. And 
what what better could we hope for than uh, some otters and um, well a bunch of other cute little uh, Muppet animals. Which brings me to my favorite uh, Christmas show movie. No surprise here. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Now this is Jim Henson and his Muppets. Uh, their take on the famous Charles Dickens Christmas novel, A Christmas Carol. What I love about this is not only is it just delightful the way the Muppets portray everything, uh, it uses so much of the actual lines from the book that half the time when I start quoting Charles Dickens, I have to think now, am I quoting Kermit the Frog saying that or is that actually in the book or both? Um, because most of the time, if I want to remember what the book says, I go back and I'm like, well, how did Miss Piggy say it? Or something like that. And it's just great. And that the soundtrack to this, I, I love the music. I listen to it. Um, and, and while I've got the, the Muppets up here, let me, let me throw up two other versions of A Christmas Carol. We can talk about A Christmas Carol in general. The first is the, the George C. Scott one from, uh, 1984, I believe. This is, a kind of the classic George C. Scott, famously uh, Academy Award winner for playing Patton. Uh, he plays Scrooge. What a what a great role for him there later in life. Um, so that is an awesome one. And then uh, a bit of a newer one is uh, Disney's uh, A Christmas Carol. So uh, check that one out as well. So we've got three versions of A Christmas Carol. Uh, the George C. Scott classic one, uh, Disney's Christmas Carol, and then my, my favorite, the, the Muppet Christmas Carol. And I've, I've preached Christmas homilies just on Scrooge, so I'm not going to completely rehash that. You can go out and search seanthebaptist.org for, you know, Christmas Scrooge homily and, and get that. But I will say that the story of A Christmas Carol is, is one that just keeps coming back over and over, and it is timeless. You know, Charles Dickens wrote that in the 19th century, and it is just as relevant today You've got uh, Scrooge, who is, well, he's in need of conversion. He, like the Grinch, doesn't like Christmas, and we don't know. Uh, eventually, we, we come to, to see, uh, whereas with the Grinch, we're like, well, is this sh- are shoes too small, whatever. We get kind of deep psychological on Scrooge that he is hurt from his time as a child, being uh, abandoned by his own parents, family, never really having the, the love that he needed i mean gosh how many of us can't can't see past hurts that have you know propagated throughout our lives our families um and and continue to wreak havoc uh, even in our own lives why is scrooge such a scrooge well because he was hurt he doesn't make merry at christmas because he never had a merry christmas at least not very often and uh it was normally a sad time and so he's just kind of content to keep living in a, a sad time himself. And so he makes other people's lives sad. And isn't that just the case that a lot of times people who are, you know, putting sadness all over the place, why? Well, because their lives have been sad. And so it just keeps going. The, the great kind of truth about the story of Scrooge is that it doesn't have to keep going that way. You know, like, you know, if sad and hurt people hurt people and make them sad, when does it end? Well, we see that it ends with a stroke of God's grace uh, in the uh, 
Christmas Carol story. It's uh, Scrooge's business partner, or in the case of the Muppet Christmas Carol, Jacob and Robert Marley. Um, yes, that would be Bob Marley. Uh, come back and uh, the hecklers uh, help Scrooge to uh, understand that his his pain, he's inflicted it on everybody else. And his life is not going to end well if he doesn't change. And so it's kind of a stroke of God's grace. He's given the gift of, again, the supernatural. Three spirits, three angels, if you will. The famous ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future, or Christmas yet to come. And these three angels or spirits really help Scrooge to see, okay, that the pain that was there in, in his childhood, that the pain that he's causing other people right now, but then the possibility that he doesn't want things to stay this way. He wants them to change, and he begs that they can change. And, and that is the great lesson of A Christmas Carol, that things can change. We, we, can, we can change our decisions. No matter how much we've been hurt, no matter how much our, our families have been a mess and we're we're stuck in it through god's grace we we really can make a new start and so that's why we love scrooge on christmas morning he is transformed overnight from bah humbug and i wish everyone who went about with merry christmas on their tongue were boiled in their own pudding and and buried with a steak of holly through their heart mm. now that's a happy christmas message well, that same person on Christmas morning, it said that if anyone knew how to keep Christmas, Scrooge knew how to keep it best of all. And that's because he, he learned how valuable it is to have a chance to start over. And uh, I do hope that, that you got a chance to get to confession uh, this Advent season, get that beautiful chance to start over in God's grace. Uh, my, my homily from this past weekend on Holy Family was all about reconciliation, uh, especially amongst family members. We, we all want a chance to start over. So... If there's someone you need to be reconciled with, just do that. Uh, Scrooge had a lot of people he needed to reconcile with, and he did it, and his whole life changed. Um, and, and so that's the great kind of Christmas hope, I think, from A Christmas Carol. All right, uh, another great one along those lines. It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Jimmy Stewart. This, a, a lot of people considered a a flop when it, when it came out. Um, again, it's, it's not about the Christmas story. It's about what happens around the season of Christmas. And of course, George Bailey gets a supernatural gift the same way Scrooge did. George Bailey thinks that his life is worthless. So he's kind of on the opposite end of, of Scrooge. Scrooge doesn't realize his life is worthless um, when it really is. George Bailey's life is not worthless, but he thinks it is and doesn't realize what a value it is. So George Bailey gets the the gift that um, is an incredible gift that is against supernatural. He is sent an angel by God who intervenes and God grants that George Bailey would get to experience life as if he had never been born. How many times have we wished, like, I just, I don't want to be here. It would have been better if I'd never been born. Um... Well, George Bailey gets his wish. And on that Christmas night, uh, Clarence, his angel, second class, because he hasn't got his wings yet, uh, 
shows George around. Like, this is what it would be like if you'd never been born. His brother uh, doesn't go off to be a war hero and save a bunch of people because, well, George saved his brother's life when he was drowning years later, or years earlier in their, their childhood. And uh, Mr. Gower, the druggist, you know, got in trouble for poisoning someone with a snake because George wasn't there to stop it. And George wasn't there to bail out the building alone. And so evil Potter took it over and Bedford Falls. You know, he gets to see, as Clarence says, George, you really had a wonderful life. Uh, I, I think maybe that's a, a good message for us this Christmas as well, that it's easy to focus right now on the, the downers, things that maybe aren't going so well. Well, in the end, we've really had a wonderful life. Uh, so much so that I don't know when the life is going to be over. Uh, these days, I, I'm ready anytime. I'm, I'm cleaning out my room a little and organizing stuff and making sure everything's in order. I don't know. I could get COVID and die. I could get hit by a, a reindeer or something. Who knows? But make sure that you're living today and you end every day by thinking, you know what? I've had a wonderful life. It might not be going well, and believe people that, that know me and the things going on in my life this right now and over this last year, like Father Sean, you're going through so much. Yeah, and it, it's true, and we're all going through so much right now. I, I get it. But I ought to be able to end each day by saying, it's a wonderful life. And if it ended now, I could be thankful for all the good that's happened. And thankfully, for, for probably for me and you and for George Bailey, life goes on, and he, he got to live a life showing how thankful he was. Um, pop in a little musical plug here. Monheim Steamroller. Uh, I love the music, but they did a little video and they, they put some uh, video to their music several years ago. And um, so they, if you've been to a Monheim Steamroller concert, they, they show this, uh, some of the, the videos that they did and they put it on a DVD. So this is kind of nice to have on in the background at a Christmas party or something. Um... All right, we'll end with a couple, uh, I guess you'll call it modern ones, some not quite so modern. A Christmas story. Um, yeah, this is another one where you just end up quoting uh, from it. Double dog, triple dog, daring. Um, how many times will I say, I got a major award. I got a major award. Uh, yeah, this is just... Darling, delightful, little red rider, BB gun, all that, uh, licking a flagpole. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, kind of the family Christmas uh, kind of thing. The 20th anniversary documentary was in, what year is this? 83? Christmas story is 83. Uh, so, 1983, a Christmas story. And finally... Um, one of the great musical collaborations for a Christmas movie, Home Alone. Uh, this is, of course, the, the famous John Williams uh, score to, to Home Alone that, um, you know, one of my, my favorite ways to see this, uh, when it, it hit its 20th anniversary uh, a couple years ago, all the, the, the symphonies were, were staging... Um, where the, the symphony would play the score live because it's an orchestral score by John Williams who did the music for like E.T. and Star Wars and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, things like that. Um, the, the music to this is incredible uh, and the, the story is just great. It's another, it's it's like It's a Wonderful Life. You know, what would happen if you'd never been born? Um, 
well, little Macaulay Culkin in here has, you know, what if I could get rid of my family? What if I could make my family disappear? And so he gets his wish when he gets left home alone for, for Christmas. And uh, he comes to find out that family is actually a pretty good thing. And I think maybe I'll end with that one tonight as it is striking 730 uh, to say that all of us maybe uh, were experiencing a little bit of home alone this Christmas because, well, let's face it, uh, we didn't oftentimes get to get together this, this Christmas. Uh, we were home alone, some of us, or at least home, uh, not at home, or home with very few people. Uh, we, we got maybe a gift this Christmas. We don't have to wish, like, what if I can make my family disappear? How many times have we sat on Christmas morning with all the commotion and trouble? Oh my goodness, this is a disaster. I just wish it would all go away. Well, this Christmas, we, we maybe got a bit of our wish. Uh, what would it be like if we had no big family gathering for Christmas? What if we just had quiet for Christmas? Well, I think there is a subtle kind of niceness to it. I, I enjoyed having time to pray. Um, but then I, you know, you do kind of miss the whole big, big gathering. And I fortunately got a little bit of it with, with my family, still a bit of a gathering. But um, let's not take anything for granted. George Bailey took his whole life for granted. Uh, Kevin McAllister took his family for granted in Home Alone. Uh, Scrooge took everyone for granted. And in all cases, Christmas was a time for them to readjust their sights, to say, no, wait a minute. Like like the Grinch who didn't get Christmas, he adjusted. Like Linus helped the whole world adjust to see what Christmas is really all about. Whatever differences COVID has created for you this Christmas, I pray that the, the end might be a gift that you would know what Christmas is all about and how special all those other things are, like our family, our friends, and especially our faith. I hope you've enjoyed this little trip down Christmas movie memory lane tonight. I, I'm still not quite feeling so well. I hope to be doing better by uh, tomorrow night and for Priest Gaming on uh, January 1st. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm gonna plow through that stack of Christmas movies because uh, they, they sit on my shelf and uh, there's some really good messages in those Christmas movies. And I pray that you've picked up on some of those tonight. So thanks for, for being with me. I will try to get back to the morning message more regularly now that I've got my voice back. Pray for me and my recovery. Not COVID, just the normal seasonal cold and flu stuff. But um, I'm going to enjoy having a Merry Christmas for at least another couple weeks. And I pray that you do too. Get out those movies and see what God might do to change your perspective this Christmas. Good night, everyone.